Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it's another edition of the Fix Your Franchise series, this time with the Indianapolis Colts. Now that the Colts have a head coach opening, well, sort of, we're going to take a look at their entire situation, a deep dive into everything that is the Colts organization from the top to the bottom, from the in-season to the off-season. We're going to look at what went wrong with Frank Reich, what they could be looking at for their next head coach, some potential head coach candidates. We're going to talk GM Chris Ballard, his draft history, dive into the offseason, some offseason targets, some salary cap talk, and then give you a mini three-round Colts mock draft to round it all out. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers on a special edition of the show. You know, on Thursdays, we often leave these shows pretty open-ended. And Connor, lo and behold, some interesting news happened in the NFL earlier this week. We now have our second head coach opening with the Indianapolis Colts moving on from Frank Reich. So just like we did for the Panthers, because it seemed like the good people enjoyed it, we are dedicating this episode as a fix your franchise indianapolis colts edition it's going to be fun to dig into this one yeah it is i mean obviously they are one of the more relevant teams in the nfl this week with uh, not only moving on from frank reich but this surprise interim hire of jeff saturday and interesting very interesting um and where this franchise goes from here to the offseason where we know a lot of the obvious things with this team, the offensive line, the future of quarterback, obviously the future of their entire staff. Mm-hmm. And the big one being we don't know if Chris Ballard is going to be making those decisions. So there's just so much to unpack here, Trevor, with the team that we kind of assumed would win 11 plus games and it has not yeah. gone that way at all for the Colts. And that's ultimately why we're here, right? I mean, yep. they're sitting here at three, five and one. And you say to yourself, okay, I mean, three, five, and one, that ain't that bad. Why are you, you know, you're firing your coach midway through the season. And I think you and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at potential head coach opening jobs. And it was like, no, they're not going to get rid of Reich. They're not going to get rid of Reich in the middle of the season. But if when momentum starts to get off the rails and you really start to go downhill, I mean, they lost three, three, five, and one doesn't look that bad as a record, but they've lost three in a row now. They bench Matt Ryan, they fired their pass game coordinator, and then they scored three points this past week against the, the New England Patriots. I mean, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse, and ultimately I think that that's why their owner, Jim Mercey, ended up making the move. I mean, they're starting Sam Ellinger this year right now. That alone is an indictment of where things have gone. Nothing uh, against Sam Ellinger, but just not. Oh, all due respect. All due, all due respect. respect, but all due respect, he should not be playing yet <laughs> right now. And just the fact of, I mean, the fact the press conference stuff that you've heard, even Ballard coming out and saying like, what was the exact quote? Like y'all been kicking the, like, you know what, out of me for not taking wide receivers. Now, now the online stinks. <laughs> yeah. After he drafted Alec Pierce Sunday two uh, this year, it's yeah. just like, and I know Ballard's a very honest guy, and Ballard's, you know, well-respected for his scouting prowess, but the Colts are just, they're in a really bad place yeah. right now, and they they got to dig out of it. And and when you have to dig out of a bad place, I mean, you nailed it too. 3-5-1, and one, this is the ugliest 3-5-1 and This is as ugly as 3-5-1 can get when you look at what's on the horizon right now. Yeah, they're You almost t- wish they weren't. You almost wish they were much worse. 
Right, right. No, well, that I was going to say, like, they're in a tough spot, but them being in a tough spot is what's going to make this podcast a lot of fun as we dig into a lot of different things. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Reich, why he was hired, what went wrong. We're going to talk a little bit about the Jeff Saturday thing. Connor, obviously, uh, a tease that we're going to discuss Chris Ballard as well, because who knows if the general manager's job is still safe. We'll take a look at the roster as well. Uh, we'll go up and down the depth chart, highlight some things that we like, what we don't like, identify some team needs going into the offseason. We'll talk about potential cap space, where they might be able to get some new talent in there for next year. And then, as this is a draft podcast, we will end each Fixing Your Franchise episode with a mini little three-round mock draft forum and give you guys some potential draft strategies that we see. Obviously, there's a lot of things that could change between now and then, but uh, we love doing mock drafts. Everybody loves a, a, a good little, little mock That's draft. That's why the people the are here. Like, why else would you arrive at the show? It's true. It's true. All right, let's give a little bit of background um, to Mr. Frank Reich. Reich was in the fifth year. With It was in his fifth year with the Indianapolis Colts with him getting fired this year. Had a coaching record of 40-33-1, and so winning record as a head coach. Made the playoffs twice in his first three years, 10-6 and in that first year, and then 11-5 in 2020. After the 2020 season, because I was looking up his contract, Connor, I was like, oh, I wonder how much they owe him. I feel like he's coming up, but I forgot. After that 2020 year, they signed him to a contract extension through 2026. So they're on the whole. Wow. So big one. Yeah, there it was. It was uh, that was after the playoff year in 2020. And then following the extension, he went 12 and 13. He's been 12 and 13 over the last two years. No playoff appearances. Obviously, 3-5-1 and one this year. 0-3 oh, in their last three games. And then the uh, three points scored against the Patriots. That's what really that's really made it tough. Wright came over to Indy from Philadelphia, where he was the offensive coordinator during their Super Bowl season. And I think this is where you really get to start with the conversation with Frank Wright. Only got one year with Andrew Luck. Had one year with Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck almost had career numbers that season in, in, in yards and touchdowns and efficiency and everything. And then Andrew Luck surprisingly retired. Since then, it was Philip Rivers. Uh, well, I guess a little bit before that, it was Jacoby Brissett. Then it was Philip Rivers. Then it was Carson Wentz. And then it's Matt Ryan. No sp- stability at quarterback. Definitely the biggest issue. And it was reported, and I think the reason why things soured so quickly with Reich is that he, quote, stuck his neck out there for them to go get Carson Wentz. Like you and I talked, I think in the Monday pod and it's like, ah, you know, how much was he really on on that? It sure sounds like Frank Reich was a big reason why Carson Wentz was an Indianapolis Colt. And not only did things end poorly with them not being able to beat the Jags at the end of last year to make the playoffs, but it felt like Carson was rubbing people the wrong way just in the locker room and in the organization. I wonder if Ursay just like really took that to heart, like like took offense to that even, and and was like, "You brought that dude here, like you brought yeah. him, you caped for him, you brought him in, and he stunk." Because I know the Matt Ryan move was a big Ursay thing, like Ursay was pushing for Matt Ryan. So I don't know, just your overall thoughts on Frank Reich. He's he, it's still, I think, a, a really hell, um, a very well respected coach in this league, and just your thoughts overall on on his tenure there and now that it's done. I think Reich's obviously done a lot of good things in his coaching career. I think he has a good handle on coaching quarterbacks. Maybe he has struggled to, you know, scout and and maybe overplay his hand of what he can get out of them, as we've seen, obviously, with his choices for this team mm-hmm. that he's been involved in. But 
I think when you look at Reich, the offensive coordinator, what he's done in that role and what he's done to develop guys, he's excellent. And I think whoever does hire him in that role next year, it'll be a team, a high-profile team that loses a high-profile coordinator. We know how young offensive coordinators get hired for jobs all the time. He'll go Mm -hmm. somewhere there and he'll reestablish his value and he'll get another head coaching shot in a couple of years. That's Frank Reich. And I think Frank Reich's a very respected dude for good reason. I think people really like him. You know, it's just sometimes I, I the me- it's not that the message got stale with the Colts. I don't buy that being the case here. I think that a lot of things didn't go his way injury wise, and it's oh Trevor, these things are always hard. Like we don't know how much he was telling Ballard or wasn't telling Ballard. The O line's fine. We're gonna coach him up. It's gonna be passable. It yeah. might not be elite, but it's gonna be good. Yeah, we don't we don't know that, and it ultimately has imploded this offense. So Reich can coach, Reich can scheme. I think Reich is well, really well liked by players. You see Quentin Nelson's response to him being fired. Quentin I, Nelson, no. he, he basically was taking like all the blame and felt and, and was saying how much he owes Reich as a coach for his player growth, as his personal growth, all these things. I mean, that really speaks volumes to how much guys like Frank Reich I don't know if that means the Colts made the wrong decision. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's a a tough spot where maybe you did have to move on. And that doesn't mean Frank Reich is not, is no longer going to be a viable NFL head coach, but for the Colts in this spot, how many times could you just go down this road again? And maybe Trevor, maybe Reich's not very interested in drafting and developing a quarterback for three years. Maybe he's the guy that's saying, veteran 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 and the Colts are looking around and going I think we're in a different place finally a couple things off of that because I agree with a lot of what you said first and foremost I think it's different when your decisions and your preferences I will say are directly tied to how money is spent throughout cap space right you think about it when Reich was a quarterbacks coach or even when he was the offensive coordinator when it comes to bringing quarterbacks onto the team, was he consulted? Yeah, probably. They probably asked him about it, but he was probably like, yeah, I could work with him. You know, I could work with this guy. We can make it happen. I think that we can make the most out of it. When when the draft was rolling around, right? It's like, oh, you know, if, if back when he was in Philly or wherever he was, like if they were thinking about picking this guy, I'm sure they looped him in. It's like, hey, what do you think about this guy? You ever watch his tape? What do you think about him? Oh, yeah, I like this. I like this. He was probably a very positive dude of of trusting his coaching, saying, yeah, we can win with this guy. He puts good things on the table. But then when he was the head coach and it was like, okay, what do you think about this guy? And he was like, yeah, I think we could win with him. And I don't want to criticize him and say like he didn't take it seriously enough because I don't think that's what the case, but that's kind of what it's going to come off as. He looked at Carson Wentz and was like, yeah, what he what what he became, like I could fix that. Yeah, let's do it. And unfortunately, that means draft picks get lost. That means millions of dollars gets yeah, lost. It's not right. just a it's not just a yeah, I can fix them. I'll be his I'll be his personal coach. No, no, no. You're in charge of the entire team. Like this roster is now yours. How it's constructed, you have a hand in. And I wonder if he fully took that as seriously as he needed to, in a way of him being as selective as he needed to. Whereas maybe if he was more I don't, again, I don't want to say more serious, but if he was looking at Carson Wentz the way that he probably should have at the end of his time in Philadelphia, he was saying, 
Now let's move on. Like there's a reason why Philadelphia is comfortable moving on from him. Let's try to get aggressive going to do something else. So that's that's something that sticks out to me too is is how think how quickly things soured. And I wonder if it's just because of something like that. I'll say this too, you know, going off your Quentin Nelson point. Reich constantly took accountability. When the team was bad, he was the first person to say, it's our job as head coaches to get these guys right. They're not playing right. It's on us as head coaches. That is an honorable thing to do. But eventually, if you keep losing and you keep saying that, it's going to be true. And I think there came a point to where Jim Mercer specifically was like, yeah, it is your fault. Yeah, we, we are bad because of you. And it wasn't just like an accountability thing anymore. It was a reason for Ursay to move on when he did. So almost like a double-edged sword there. You love that he was taking accountability. Players clearly love that he was taking accountability. But maybe all that was his downfall. But maybe he's not lying about it either. Yeah, and you always have to wonder. I, I go back to your point about it, it, I think what you're looking for is he wasn't wasn't stingy enough with his preferences. That's probably a better way to say it. Yes, yes. It, it was a matter of the cult. And to be fair to Reich, he didn't walk into a situation that you know. You, all right, I, I hate I hate doing this because, but it's it's the right comparison. Like you look at the Jets when Robert Sala got that job, they came off of a year with Adam Gase where they were horrific, and you walk into that job. And you have the number two overall pick where we knew five quarterbacks were going in the first round. I'm not saying that was a gift, but I'm saying Salah walked into a situation where him and his staff and the front office they were working with, you could do a lot of things. You could take a quarterback at two because the class has talent. You could trade that pick for a big quarter. Like there's options. And Reich had options, but he didn't walk into a job where it was like, we're drafting this guy in the top three, and he's right. our franchise. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a, And I'm not making excuses for him because not every job is a direct route like that where you get that opportunity that I'm trying to relay. But it is just a very interesting point of they, they missed, but they also kept having to try the veteran route of guys that teams did not want anymore. Like when you're picking, when you're shopping in the bargain aisle, and I'm not saying bargain money, I'm saying selections they were constantly in that aisle that falcons didn't want matt ryan anymore and we're getting into the tail end of matt ryan's career whence we don't know the specifics but clearly had his falling out in philadelphia and right. that's trickled to other places like yeah there's a trend of the areas they were forced to shop in and it it just caught up to them we'll, we'll get to we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into quarterback um throughout the show i i had a quote from ursay in the press conference after they fired right he said, you never like to make a change, much, much less during the season. It's not ideal. Chris, meaning Chris Ballard, and I saw things collapse. That's the word that he used, collapse. Mm. And I think I saw things go from bad to worse. I thought it was time to make a change. The guy that they make a change to is Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday, now a 14-year pro, uh, never coached in college football, never coached in the NFL, now is the interim coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Been uh, on he, TV for a long time, too. Yes, he, he has been on TV for a long time. I mean, time. like, away from the game. Not away from covering the league, but away from being on the field, you know? For, for sure. he. I will say he was a high school coach at Heron Christian Academy yes. for three seasons. Sure, yep. Uh, 20 and 6 was his record across those three seasons. Um, so he has been a – he does have head coaching experience, just not really at the level that you would uh, – 
you would think. I, Connor, I, I know we talked about it a little bit on this uh, topic. I think it was on the Wednesday show. I can't remember. But just what what are your thoughts with them hiring Ursay and what it might mean moving forward for this potential opening, this potential candidates, where these guys' mind might be at? It's tricky, right? It's really tricky because Ursay obviously – was looking for somebody to get them through this season that he has a lot of comfort and respect with. And like, there's no way this move was made with an intention of, you know, we're going to take a look at Jeff Saturday. And if things go right, we're going to hire him at the end of the year. Because there are interim hires, especially when you make an external interim hire, you're not hiring from within the staff, that get those opportunities. This was a hire made to me that they're just trying to get through the season. They're trying to bring stability. They're trying to get somebody in there that the locker room will respect that has legacy within the organization and all of those things. I think there's also a part of it too, that is a rough look, right? When you look at how this league is struggling to build the right trajectory, a fair trajectory for minority coaches that and i'm not saying this was the opportunity right like i don't think this is an opportunity that you just throw a coach in here and you're like oh this is your chance like that's not fair either yeah yeah. but those who are saying this made a mockery of the process i mean i understand why it's this isn't a college coach this isn't an nfl assistant there's a part of this where if this gets worse for the colts you're gonna have that side that's like well you did this to yourself so it's a very It's a very dicey situation. And I'm on the outside looking in, right? Like, I'm not at the Colts facility. I don't know what the actual problems are internally that we don't see as the general public or even the media where, and I don't know Jeff Saturday besides what I see from him on TV. Right. But I think think the issue here is that the one thing I do kind of have an issue with is the firing of of Marcus Brady the week before that just felt like... (laughs) They just fired someone to fire somebody to fire yeah. someone. Yeah. yeah. And then the next week it's like, wait a minute. Like we have much bigger problems than the guy that's the offensive coordinator, not calling the plays. So th- it's just, it's a mess. It's what do you want me to say? Like it's a mess. And yeah. I do understand them trying to get a guy in there. That'll be respected and get them through this season. But this, I mean, this is totally out of left field. There's no denying that. And and I could see the side of why people are are pissed about it, too. Uh, Ballard said this in the press conference. Um, he said, after the game, Ursay and I visited. It was spirited. Last night, we talked about Jeff, meaning Jeff Saturday. We've tried to hire Jeff a couple of times in 2019 as the offensive line coach and again before this season. The time didn't timing didn't work out. He's got real leadership in him, real really special in that regard. Uh, for this eight game stretch, we thought it would be a good fit for us. So I do find it interesting that this isn't completely unheard of for the Colts. Clearly, they've tried to hire Jeff Saturday multiple times now, yep. probably as just a position coach. Yeah, they do this. Reggie Wayne's on the staff. Yeah, and I think Cato June's on the staff as well, right? And so there's there's a lot of former players who are helping them out position-wise. But I do think it's obviously different making the jump from head coach. It's, uh, I don't know if funny is the right word, but Gus Bradley sitting there at defensive coordinator. John Fox is sitting there. I think it's an offensive analyst for them. So it's like those are two guys who have had actual head coaching experience in the NFL who could have taken over here. But, you know, perhaps Ursay and Ballard are in this position where they're like, 
We're not going to hire Bradley as our head coach. We're not going to hire Fox as our head coach. We don't really need stability at this point. <laughs> Let's just take a chance on a guy. And um, if he crashes and burns, guess what? We get a better quarterback in the draft for it. I think, again, that's a little bit short-sighted to the process and and how sacred uh, these 32 jobs are around the NFL. Um, but clearly, Jeff Ursay can do whatever he wants. He owns the team, and he's operating it. Um as he's operating it as such. Yeah. I, you, yeah. I was just going to ask you if you had any more words on uh, Reich or this situation, or you want to get into Ballard a little bit. Yeah, let's get into Ballard. Let's get into the rebuild of this team. Cause what, like the decisions they've made are what they've made. Right. And, and going forward is, you know, kind of where we can put our input of what, what we might do in these situations. So what do you got? What do you, what, what do you want with uh, Chris Ballard? Chris Ballard, currently general manager for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, what he came on, what year did he come on? 2017? I think he's been there five years now. 2017. 2017. So 2017 is when he started as the general manager for the Indianapolis Colts. Big hire. A lot of people really like this move. Um, There's a lot of respect for Chris Ballard around the NFL, especially as a scouting mind, a guy who can build a team. Now he's had a couple of drafts that have been really nice. Had a couple of drafts, not so much. Obviously, you're looking at the team as it currently stands, and they're not playing well enough. Whether you could say the right guys are on the roster or not, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that with those guys inside and out, but whatever they have out there currently clearly isn't working. It just got a head coach fired. So, Connor, what do you think about Chris Ballard? Do you think he's safe? Like, what percentage do you think that he might be safe? Obviously, he didn't get fired here. Obviously, he was in on the conversation to bring in Saturday as an interim coach. What's your thoughts right now on Chris Ballard in Indianapolis? I think he's safe, personally. If... I just I don't think they're going to let him go. And I I did reiterate on the other show this week that what is Ursay supposed to do in that spot with Chris Ballard sitting next to him? Like that quote didn't mean a lot. But just knowing, I think, how everybody views Chris Ballard, I think he's going to get another crack at this. I don't think Ursay wants to completely upend the franchise that way. Whether people agree or disagree, and Chris Ballard absolutely needs to shoulder some of the blame for what's gone wrong with the Colts. I mean, he's in charge of building the roster, but I, my gut, and not just gut, gathering, you know, just opinions, I I just think he's, I would put it at an 80% chance that he's back, Trevor. where Are you in a similar territory? Yeah, and I, I'd probably even be a little higher. Like, yeah, unless, I say, that might be low-barring it. Unless this totally goes off the rails, I think they're keeping Ballard. And I, I should have I read this quote before I toss it to you, because Ursay did talk about Chris Ballard at the press conference earlier this week when um, Wright got fired and they hired Jeff Saturday. This is, this is his quote about Ballard. Chris was highly sought after. The guy's a winner. He's been immensely successful. In this league, it's tough. Sometimes you don't understand how fortunate you are when you're around success. He fits into that culture. Um, Ursay said, of course, Ballard will be back next season, but, you know, he is said that about Frank Reich. Frank Reich's not here. Um, but he continued. He said, we're fortunate to have him. Ballard, that is. These things don't always work out in our favor. We know that things have drifted. Sometimes that happens in this game. The math doesn't always work in this league. From my perspective, we are very fortunate to have Chris. So, of course, that doesn't sound like a guy whose job is really on the hot seat. And I would agree with you. I think that it's it's basically... 90, 95% chance that Chris Ballard's going to be back. The only way that this doesn't go well is if, I mean, if they lose out and it just looks ugly, they he might need a scapegoat. Like somebody might need a scapegoat, but I don't think that we're going to get to that point. Um, I think that Ballard's probably here for a whole nother offseason. 
Yeah, I think so too. It'll get to obviously here. Here's another thing, Trevor, that a lot of people, I'm not like, I understand why they missed this, but they don't take into account here. Ursay knows the respect Ballard has in the league. There are high profile coaching candidates that will take the Colts job because Ballard is there. Whether the public or fans or anybody disagrees with that is one thing, but I can tell you Ballard has hiring power. And if Ursay let him go, he would have to know he can land a candidate with at least equivalent hiring power. And I'm going to be honest, as much as I'm very intrigued by the future GMs list, because there's a lot of talented guys that deserve a shot. I don't believe any of them have the hiring power power that Chris Ballard does, unless they view the Matt Ryan contract in 2023 and the Colts situation as a whole is just untouchable. But I, once again, I don't personally believe people will. So that's another layer in this of why I think Ballard stays. Look at Ballard, Ballard's drafts real quick. Yeah. I'll, fi- I'll fire him off. 2017. I'll, I'll fire him all off, and then you just give me your immediate reaction, kind of what you thought here, okay? 2017, Malik Hooker, Quincy Wilson, Terrell Basham, Zach Banner, Marlon Mack, Grover Stewart. Those are the uh, those are the picks up through the fourth round. Eh, not great, obviously. Uh, I think Stewart's the only one still on the roster. Um, so it's not ideal, but that was five years ago. So, you know, Malik Hooker did have injuries. So those that's yeah, Malik didn't stuff. get hurt, he'd been a st- I, I love Malik Hooker, so it's hard for me. Oh, to dude, see he here. was I think he was a top five player for me. Yeah. Top ten at the very least. 2018, Quentin Nelson, Shaq Leonard. Braden Smith, Kimoko Ture, Taekwon Lewis, Naheem Hines. It's a good yeah, draft. That was his draft. Yeah. That's 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 a really good draft. So that's a strong one that he's, I don't want to say been coasting on, but like that's at the top of his uh, of his trophy case right now. 2019, Rocky Sin. Now they didn't have a first round pick or, or they traded back. I can't remember. It looks like they traded back here. Rocky Sin, Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell, Bobby O'Karake, Kyrie Willis, Marvell Tell, EJ Speed. Not ideal. Like Paris Campbell hasn't worked out. I know he's been hurt. I hated that draft. Like when it happened, just being honest. I just I hated I mean, that draft. I didn't, felt like yeah. a reach. I didn't like Paris Campbell at all. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I have to be like, oh, I was right. Like I also loved a lot of picks they've made that were that also didn't work out. But that draft, I remember sitting there going, I was. I remember that draft specifically, Trevor, because I was nervous. I was like, why does Chris Ballard value all these guys so much higher than me? Than you guy, did. The yeah. guy that knows so much more about scouting than me. Right. Well. You well, win some, you lose some. Well, Bobby O'Carrick is good, though. 2020. But he had some wild character stuff at the time. I remember when he got taken, people were like, oh, we didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, third round there for him. At the time. At the time. 20, 2020 draft. Michael Pippen Jr., stud. Yep. Jonathan Taylor, stud. Ooh. Julian Back, Blackman, good player. Oh, oh yeah. No. We got we got we got three major hits right there. Jacob Eason in the fourth round. Okay, whatever. You're taking a flyer on the quarterback. It was Doesn't worth matter. it. You hit on those three guys though at the top. Two second round picks and a third round pick. The 2020 draft, good. I'm giving that the stamp of good. 2021, you took Quiddy Pay in the first round, number 21 overall. Deo at an Ingbo. Uh Kylan Granson, Sean Davis. You got Sam Ellinger in there, but mm. Not a big hitter. And then this past draft, obviously, Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, Bernard Ryman. Who? Look, all three of those guys look pretty good. Look pretty good. I think, they, I think, I think they're going to have a starting offensive tackle in Bernard Ryman. 
I was also high on Ryman, so I'm kind of believing in that. But like he's, oh, I think knew. he's played good, but he's been out there. It's it's gonna take some time too. This dude, is, how many times do we have to talk about his background? Where it's like you got to be a little patient with that. A little bit, yeah. So yeah. when I mean, it's easy to sit here and be like, well, that's not good enough for, for Chris Bauer to keep his job. But when you look league wide at drafts, the problem with the Colts probably is too. How much do they really supplement this roster with free agency the right way? I mean, you can't you can't just draft anymore. That's not the NFL anymore. You can't just draft. It's got to be a yeah full full offseason package. It's what it has to be. Yeah, especially when you're trying to turn the corner. And I All just right. yeah. Go, well, actually, you know what I should do? You know what I should do here? I should read an ad. That's what I should do here. Yeah, you should, should read an ad. Should talk about our friends over at Pro Throw. We got a new sponsor for today's podcast, BroThrow. If you ever bet on sports with your friends, BroThrow is the only sports betting platform that lets you directly bet with friends in all 50 states. No fees, no juice, no middleman. BroThrow is not a sports book, and not paying the juice saves you a ton of money over time. BroThrow is a social platform that takes control of who you bet. Know who's on the other side of every single bet you create or accept. You can easily create or accept bets track all your profits and payments, and always see the value of a bet. You don't have to deposit money into a BroThrow account or anything like that. Bettors pay each other directly, so you connect your Venmo, your Cash App, PayPal, Skrill, Strike, whatever. Betting $11 to win $10 like you would at a book stinks. With BroThrow, you bet 10, you win 10. It's as easy as that. Throw out your first bet, go to BroThrow.com backslash stock, and use our promo code STOCK. BroThrow is free to sign up for right now. Cut out the middleman. Start betting with BroThrow. That's BroThrow.com backslash stock. Also want to talk to you about No House Advantage. They are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy platform available today. You play in pickup contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app. Choose a contest. Select your player props. Earn points for correct picks. And climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day you can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks bet on up to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sporting league which includes the nfl nba mlb pga mma and even nascar sign up with the promo code stock stock at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app store to get your first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. And you guys definitely won't want to miss out on this. Before we dive into some potential offseason moves, because I agree with you, you got to look at the whole offseason as a rebuild here for the Colts. Let's talk about who might potentially be the head coach of this team. This is a quote from Jim Mersey. Again, once again, at the press conference earlier this week. He was kind of talking about Jeff Saturday, but you can, there are hints at what he's going to want for whoever's going to be the full time head coach of this team. Quote, I wanted a winning coach, a winning playoff coach that was proven. Now, and then he goes on to talk about Jeff Saturday. Now, I'm glad that he doesn't have NFL experience. Um, He hasn't learned that fear that's in this league. There was no other candidates. We were fortunate that he was available. Um, he has tons of experience. So the last part's obviously talking about Saturday, but the things I take away here is the very first thing that Ursay said when talking about a coach, I want a winning coach. I want a playoff coach. I want a proven coach. 
He also said that he was glad that Jeff Saturday didn't have NFL experience because he hasn't learned the fear in this league. He also went on to say that, uh, I don't know, he uh, Jeff Saturday like doesn't do analytics, and he's like, hell yeah, he doesn't do I analytics. I not like that part. He's like, okay, brother, you know, this is, this is not going to work out for you. But I think that the old school don't mentality, for it. winning coach, playoff coach, I got three coaches that come to mind when I think about who could realistically be in charge of that team with Ursay's demands. Do you have any? I, I just do you, do you have any off the top? Or you want me to rattle them off and, and you just I, I want you to go for I do have a couple, but I'm okay. curious one if we have some uh I'm more curious where what strategy you're taking. Okay, I got curious. I got three. I got three. First one's Dan Quinn. I talked about this. Dan Quinn on, was one of my top. Okay, ones. so we talked about this on the Carolina Fixture Franchise episode. I have a ton of respect for Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn is beloved around the league. He's beloved by players. He's a respected man. Uh, he had a lot of success in Atlanta, going to the playoffs, going to the Super Bowl. They should have won the Super Bowl. Shout out Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, it did not work down the stretch with Atlanta. That's why he's no longer the head coach there. He's the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, but he interviewed for a head coaching job with the Denver Broncos this past offseason. We know that it is in his mind. I think there was a chance that he thought if McCarthy didn't coach well this year, that Dan Quinn would get to be the head coach of the yeah. Cowboys. So that's probably why he doesn't take that Denver job. Um, I mean, as an outsider, it's got, that's why I got to think he didn't take that Denver job. But he's still going to be looking. He's He is a winning coach. He has the leadership qualities the, the team was clearly gravitating towards when they hired Jeff Saturday. So I think that all of the qualities that we have already heard Jim Mercy and Chris Bauer talk about, that's Dan Quinn, plus a really good record and a playoff record as a head coach. The uh the next guy that I have, it's gonna he's gonna be on every single team's list. It's Sean Payton. I mean, it has to be. Mm. There's some uh, there's some things that you got to figure out with Sean Payton because the Saints technically still own his rights, so you would have to trade for Sean Payton, I believe, is what you would have to do in this situation. But, look, a winning coach, a proven coach, regular season or playoffs, that's Sean Payton, right? Sean Payton has got it done time after time after time. In fact, uh, Sean Payton defeated uh, Jim Mercer's Indianapolis Colts in the Super Bowl. So I, I wonder if that all goes into it and how much he would love to have that head coach now in Indianapolis. The last guy that I want to bring to the table is the one that I actually think is going to get the most play for the Colts. It's Jim Harbaugh. Oh, baby. I think Jim Harbaugh Ooh, is going to be at the front of the Colts coaching search. Okay. Jim Harbaugh is a former quarterback. All right, that is what he is known for. He has played the position. He played the position for the long for a long time. He played the position for the Indianapolis Colts, by the way. Uh, so that is in his background. Connor, Coach Andrew Luck. Did you know that? I I did know that. <laughs> um, Connor, you talked about how this team needs to get it fixed at quarterback. Whatever yeah. they do at quarterback, they have to have a coach in here who knows exactly what they're doing with that most important position. Jim Harbaugh checks that box. He has the proven success as an NFL head coach in both the playoffs and the regular season. He was 44 and 19 and one when he was with the San Francisco 49ers, obviously went to the Super Bowl, came up short against his brother, John. So he has all of that experience that going for him there. He's in his eighth year at Michigan and he has built that Michigan program into a powerhouse. They are undefeated on the season. They are poised to make the college football playoff again. It took him a little bit to do it, but he's absolutely yeah. built a powerhouse there. 
back in 2018. Here's another, here's another thing linking these two. Back in 2018, there was a rumor that the Colts were interested in Harbaugh before they hired Reich. Now, that would have been shortly after. He would not have been at Michigan very long in 2018. But there were talks of that, and the rumor supposedly came from Ursay's side of things. Like, Ursay was the one who was like, hey, what about Harbaugh? So if he was thinking about Harbaugh back then, guess what? He's going to be thinking about him even more now. Jim Harbaugh interviewed for a head coach job this past offseason. He interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job. Courtney Cronin, who does a fantastic job covering the league. We've had her on this show before. She ended up reporting that uh, Harbaugh didn't exactly take the interview as seriously as Kwesi Adafo-Mensa and the rest of the front office there thought he was going to. And so it just kind of didn't work out. And then Harbaugh ended up doing an interview talking about it. He said, quote, "There there was a tug on me that... I was once that close to a Super Bowl, and I didn't get it. Some NFL jobs came open. I was contacted by the Vikings. I said, okay. And then and then he kind of got to the point where he didn't take the job. He yeah. said that it, he said that it didn't like it didn't. He obviously said that he didn't feel a mutual commitment to one another. Viking story is probably a little bit different. But all of that to say, all of that to say. All of the boxes that I have gathered to check for the Colts head coach job, Jim Barbaugh checks them. So he's got to be on this list for me, and I think that he's going to be high on this list for me. I wonder if they're – I don't know if they're allowed to do this, so I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, but like, I wonder if they're basically already talking. Like, I wonder if if we're already at this point. So here's another thing, back to the Jeff Saturday conversation, because when we talked about it, obviously it was very conflicting. It's the, you understand it, but you also see the holes in in that move. One of the things where you can understand it is there's probably a transparency that exists between Jeff Saturday and Jim Ursay that would not exist with a lot of other guys put into that spot. Very good point. And part of that transparency could be that Jeff Saturday knows the deal jeff saturday might not be i would actually lean jeff saturday is not even thinking that he's going to be coaching in the nfl next year he probably knows and there's transparency with him and her say hey man i'm going to pay you well you get a cup of coffee coaching you love this franchise and we love you you don't have to write the ship but get the ship to its destination mm-hmm. and i'm going to start working on hiring a coach and you're the only guy that's probably going to be okay with that because of the transparency that's, that's a that's, really good point. It, really good point. It, it's one of those things where it's so hard to talk about the Jeff Saturday thing in like a tweet, right? It's because there's there's so many sides to it. Like the that's why jokes, we have a pod. That's why we have a pod. That's why we have a podcast. There's the jokes. There's the serious side to it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the serious side to it like that, where you're like, oh, well, that part makes sense for the Colts. So that's specu- one, obviously that's speculation from us. We're speculating. We're, yeah, don't we're, clip we're, this out and be like, hey, right. it's not, are, we're, not, we're not reporting it or anything. We're just trying to, we are like everybody else, trying to dots. put together the puzzle. That's what we're trying to do. One, I love the Harbaugh mention because that would not shock me at all. If that, if that's legit. I, I mean, it's look legit. at Ursay, man. Like, look at Ursay. Ballard's obviously an interesting wild card. Ed Dodds is still there, too. Obviously, like he's a guy that's interviewed for a lot of GM jobs because oh, he's the he's he's always a hot GM name, and then he never takes and the he jobs. never takes him. Although I think he would have taken the Raiders job, but that yeah. wasn't once they wanted McDaniel's. That wasn't the pairing. So mm. 
that that was the one job where I was like, I think he's finally going to take this one. And mm-hmm. then they didn't hire him. They picked the coach who picked his own GM. Anyway, uh, love your candidates. I Dan Quinn was one of mine. Yep. Absolutely. Harbaugh is the flashy one. Harbaugh would be my flashy one over Sean Payton, although it's good to have them both on there. I would think Harbaugh is more likely than Sean Payton. My Another one, more of a sleeper sell one to me, is Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. Okay. If they want a younger guy, it'll actually look up his exact age while we do this, but a younger guy, he is 38. So obviously he'd be a pretty young coach in the league. Yeah. That, man, the Broncos should have hired him instead of Hackett, but that's another <laughs> conversation for another day. They interviewed Callahan last year, um, who has worked with someone like Joe Burrow, who's developed run games, who's really well-respected. Every chance Zach Taylor gets to talk about him, he has nothing but high praise. Brian Callahan's been an up-and-comer for a while, and I think that that would be one of like the sleeper cell hires that people are like, what, who? And it's like, oh, this guy's pretty good. So that one doesn't have as much flash. We do this one a lot, but I'm just so intrigued by it, and I know... You know, obviously, it stinks. Things really haven't gone their way this year. But you have to wonder when Raheem Morris will get another shot. It's mm. just, it's just, it's, this is a perfect example of the coaching cycle, how hot and cold things run and why guys take jobs when they can. Because your unit is down one year, your team is down one year, and then you're not in the coaching cycle as much as you once were. So that's where it gets really tricky. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think they're a team that, will go with a guy that's coached before. That's yeah, what I think. It just I think feels that way. Dan Quinn, you mentioned, makes so much sense. He can come into that building with a lot of energy, light a fire, uh, work with Ballard. Harbaugh is a little bit more of like a conflicting personality, so I'm fascinated by that. But you know Ursay yeah. will... The Ursay side to that makes a lot of sense. That's Absolutely. The, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate, I think, deal breaker for this is Harbaugh seems like a control freak. You know, like he is I, a control I, freak. I think what didn't work out with him in San Francisco was him and Balky, right? They just they did mm-hmm. not see eye to eye in that situation, and Harbaugh ended up being the one to get out of there. Yeah. Ballard's not going to be a hands-off GM. He's a very hands-on GM. He wants to have his fingerprints all over that roster. Would Harbaugh be cool with that? I don't know. But then again, would Peyton? Like, would Sean Peyton be cool with that? I don't know. Sean Peyton's probably looking to go to a team that's going to give him ultimate authority, like what we've seen with Belichick and with John Gruden and with guys like that. So, yeah. Dan Dan Quinn, I I, I just feel like Dan Quinn seems like the guy where uh, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov truly had a really great relationship. Like he had a great relationship with his general manager. And I think that's why the team ended up working as well as it did. So if we throw in the Ballard card, which we do have to, that's obviously a factor here. Harbaugh and and Peyton become less obvious candidates to me because Ballard's not going to hire someone he doesn't like. And unless Ursay completely steps over Ballard, which he has not done before. And he has said that he... He has said that I hire a general manager and I let him be the general manager. Like that's how teams are successful. So even though I can link Ursay's desires with a lot of these coaches, ultimately it's going to be Ballard's call. I think. Yeah. I, I would almost not rule Peyton out, but no, you can never rule Peyton out. Never rule Peyton out. I think Peyton is. We need the, be- we need the clicks for the episode. We got to, we we, please click. 
You don't have to watch. <laughs> just click and let it play. <laughs> I mean, we just do a visor oh, swap for the for the thumbnail, and it's just Sean Payton in a in a Colts visor. That's just that's just what it is. You know what's interesting too, when you try to connect all these dots. Mm-hmm. I remember doing this when the Raiders interviewed Dodds. Um, Dodds was Dodds is crossed over with Harbaugh. So if you're wondering, can these front off that can this front office work with Harbaugh? Obviously, Ballard has the ultimate say, but Dodds is the assistant GM, and him and Harbaugh, there's something there. There's something there. So I would not. There's definitely a chance. There's definitely a chance on that one. I think Peyton is going to take a job that's a soft landing, like a, an established quarterback. Did you see his quote last week? No, I which one? He had a quote on basically, oh man. He had a quote that was essentially saying, I think there are a lot of dysfunctional teams in our league. There are some places where talent can die. I want to avoid those places. That tells me that he'll be kind of selective. And I'm not saying oh, the Colts yeah, are. Of course. He can the, be. He can be. I'm not saying the Colts are toxic, but the Colts have a lot of questions to figure out at the most uh, important when you position. Don't, yeah, when you don't have quarterback figured out, I mean, that's a that's a that's a disadvantage for luring a coach that you might want. Yeah. So All right. there we go. Those are potential head coaches. Uh, again, we'd love to hear from you guys who you think would be a good fit as head coach. A good fit and then like a realistic fit. I think those are probably um, two different ways to look at this. So hit us up in the comments uh, if uh, you've got a different name than what we what we said here. Let's take a look at the roster, right? Let's pull up the depth chart. Let's talk. Let's look at what we like, things that we're going to keep, uh, you know, as we rebuild this team. Tenth most projected cap space in the NFL for next season at $33 million. The 2023 free agents that they have coming up, Yannick Ngakwe, which is a decently big one, uh, Matt Pryor, starting offensive lineman, Dennis Kelly, starting offensive lineman, Ben Banigo, uh, Paris Campbell, Bobby Okereke. I mentioned those guys as as um, in the 2018 draft. twenty No, 2019 draft. It's 2022 now. 2019 draft. This roster is not void of talent, man. No, it's They don't not. have quarterback figured out, but Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. Or uh, Shaq Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay. Like, there's a lot of guys to like on this roster. Overall, the big question mark is what the hell happens with Matt Ryan? Because let me pull up Ryan's contract here. I know I got it somewhere, somewhere in this in this list of a million tabs that I have to do this show. Same. I just closed like 15 of them for the GMs and coaches part. Okay, so Matt Ryan obviously benched. Okay, bench this year. Sam Ellinger, we think, even though it's a new head coach, is going to start the rest of the season here for the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Ryan was on the cap $18 million this year. He's on the cap $35 million yeah, it's bad. next year. It's bad. The question is, does he retire? Because if he retires, and I ran this by Brad Spielberger, our cap guy, he said that you take the base salary, or you basically take what the cap space would be and subtract the roster bonus and another bonus that he is getting. So ultimately, if Matt Ryan retires, they don't, it's not like that number goes down to zero, but it goes down to, I believe, 18. 18 million is what would be on on their on their cap instead of 35 if Matt Ryan ends up retiring. Matt Ryan, unfortunately, has a rather large roster bonus. Uh, and a reason to not retire from this team. Uh, so I, 
I don't know, man. It might be a situation where they say to Matt, like, hey, buddy, we're going to cut you anyways. Do you want to just retire? Like, do you want to do it gracefully, essentially? Like, do you want to just retire I from sure the league? Shit wouldn't. Retire from... Well, Matt Ryan, at least I I think I'm... I, I believe I'm thinking about this correctly. If Matt Ryan retires or if he gets cut, he is paid the same amount of money by the Colts. I believe okay. he is paid 18 million no matter what. Maybe 18 million, 19 million, because that's his base salary. But then he's got a roster bonus of $10 million and then a prorated bonus of $7 million. So that's where we're getting those numbers from. If you subtract them from 35, you get to 18. Okay. I could be totally wrong there. I, no, I, no, I, no, maybe, no, it maybe, all makes sense. Maybe, maybe Brad's going to yell at me after this, but I, I just wonder what they're going to do with it. Because you can't, I mean, you can't have them on the books for 35 million. No, 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 no. There's got to be. Cut. The very least. Uh, either, yeah, there's got to be a rework. You know what the thing is, and I know people will think I'm insane. I know Matt, everyone's, everyone in the world is sour down Matt Ryan this year, and that's, I understand. If you can find a way to rework that contract, he is exactly who I would want around for a Will Levis or somebody like that. Of course. Matt Ryan is sure a tier one human being. In all walks of life, not just what he does off the field, but how he treats his teammates and everyone around him. That like there are times where you have veterans and you're like, that won't really work with the guy we draft in the first or second round. Matt Ryan is the, the exact opposite. He mm-hmm. will do everything he can to help that player. And you're paying for him anyway. Like, I'm not saying keep Matt Ryan to mentor for $35 million a year. That is not what I'm saying. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a man. If I, I'll mentor somebody for $35 million a year. You want to learn how to podcast? Do you own a microphone and are you an idiot? <laughs> so it's a great start. It's a great start. Yeah, right boy, there. am I here for you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, so you want to do it this cause we do have to pick a path and we have to, we, we do try to be realistic on this show. Do you think we do it where Matt Ryan is either one reworked, and paid just his what his bonus value is for the most part. No. Or just gone. No, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. For as much as yes. I, I would love a storybook ending of like him, you know, being there to mentor the young. Um yeah, that's bad dead money. Yeah, but it's either 18 million of dead money or you're paying him 35 million to basically be a coach. But you don't think you can work with him on fixing that. What are no. his other options, dude? Who the hell wants Matt Ryan? But that's but that's what I'm saying. Like it. I don't think Matt Ryan's Matt Ryan has no reason to go to the Colts and like take less money. So one of I think he does for there. So there's some way. No, why? He's he gets 18 million no matter what. Yeah, but he can get the 18 and a little bit more if you rework the deal. Right. Or he could just get the 18, get cut and go be a backup somewhere else for probably the same amount of money. The Colts could rework him on. You know what I'm saying? He could he, he could retire, get the 18. I don't think he wants to retire. Come on. That's the dude, one variable. I all right. I think we should move forward. He is not on the team no matter what. I'm down and with that. And we're going I mean, we eight, have to find a new quarterback anyway. So we're going a we're going 18 mil. Okay. We're going 18 mil on the cap. Let's say that Ugh. he's not on the team next year. It's 18 million in dead money. So okay. we're probably looking at actually if we free up that much money, 
uh, you're close to 10, you're close to 50 million in cap space then. Where do they yeah, jump? Yeah, because they don't sign anyone in free agency ever. Yeah, where do they jump to if that's the case? Oh, they see, this is this is the this is this is why this is why a lot of tabs is bad, folks. This is why a lot of tabs is bad. Okay. I should take 50, that back. They did sign Stefan Gilmore. Sixth, I think. That would be sixth most in the NFL if they had close to 50 million in cap space so that gives him a lot of flexibility no i mean look you're not going to be able to unless lamar jackson hits free agency and you can win the lamar jackson sweepstakes to get a quarterback that way i am not into any of the ideas of trading for aaron Rodgers, trading for Derek carr i'm not into any of those are, are you in any of those no we're not okay. doing this again okay all right thank you thank you thank you thank you insanity so Unless they get Lamar Jackson, they're drafting a quarterback. They have to. They have to trade draft assets to get up to a certain spot, hopefully lose enough games where they're already in the top 10. Maybe you can make a move into the top three. You and I talked about this on yesterday's podcast. Hey, the Steelers are sitting there right around the top four. Well, what if you go to the Steelers and say, hey, look, we'll give you three first-round picks this year's, next year's, and the year after that if you get us into the top three? Because maybe they're picking two, maybe they're picking three, and they can go up and get a quarterback. I think they have to kind of operate under that assumption because free agency is not going to be the market where they want to capitalize there. I think that offensive line could be an area where they could really get some new talent at least, right? I know that Isaiah Wynn's been up and down. He's been starter. He's been benched a couple of times in in uh, in New England, but I think that Isaiah Wynn's a good offensive lineman. He's a free agent this summer um, or this spring. Dalton Reisner is as well if you want a little bit cheaper of an option. Elton Jenkins is also a free agent. I don't know if Green Bay is going to let him go. They can't. I don't think they can either. But I'm just saying there's options on O-line. So my plan for the Colts would be hit all of the non-quarterback needs that you have. So QB, O-line, corner, I would say, are probably their three biggest needs right now. And then I would argue you always are in search for better playmakers. So I think wide receivers – in the mix somewhere in that group, especially if you're letting Paris Campbell walk and you want to get better guys in there. I would go after wide receiver and offensive line heavy in free agency. That's what I would do. Not that I'd totally break the bank because I don't know how good this team's going to be next year. You don't want to tie up money for guys that it really doesn't matter, but I think you could really start to infuse some nice talent in this team. What do you think? I think so too. I think signing offensive line has to be a priority, right? We know they have some cornerstones there, but they need to round out this group. So I think you need to sign some kind of decent, I'm pulling up all of the uh, contracts here for free agency. I mean, it's tough when a lot of guys just don't get to the market anymore because the franchise tag or extensions like an Elton Jenkins. we're assuming, I mean, you got to jump all over that if you're green Bay or if you're, uh, if you're in Indianapolis, Andy yeah. for Green Bay, you know? Yeah, so they have Matt Pryor is going to be a free agent for them. So no matter what, they have to obviously add someone here. And this is the problem of needing to draft a quarterback because I think this team would be in perfect position to draft, you know, an Olu Fashano or Broderick Jones. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or there's a lot of the tackle classes looking better by the day at this point. So that's where I get a little tricky with it where I'm like, man, they're going to have to use that first round pick plus if they have to move to get a quarterback. And that kind of hamstrings what they can do with this offensive line in the draft. And then they might have to go to free agency where, you know, what market are you, are you actually playing in? Right. Are you the Orlando Brown contract didn't get done, right? He's still on the, he's playing on the tag, but he's had been bad. He's been bad. Yeah. I mean, he, he turned down, was it 158 million dollars it was or something? something crazy that was reported 
It was, and he but he's been down. bad. So yeah. that's not like my no-brainer solution there. But I'm just trying to show what the market actually has. So a, I think there's a lot of potential O-linemen that are hitting the market that you could definitely get better along the offensive line. To me, hitting offensive line and free agency is a major priority for this team. That's how I they think that they to. should really attack it. That's what I think. Wide receiver, I'm looking at the list right now, Connor. It's not good. It's not good. Nelson Aguilar, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones, Alan Lazard, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry, Keel Harry, Matt Collins, Keelan Cole, Rashad Perryman, Marquise Goodwin, Nicole Hardman, Noah Brown. That's about it, dude. DeAndre Carter, Dante Pettis. I'm just naming people now. No, it's, I mean, those aren't answers. Greg Dorch? The human Dorch, man. I, you know what? <laughs> so we call him on happy hour. Human Dorch. So we call him on happy hour all the time. When he had that hot three week run in fantasy. Oh, that's funny. The name of my, Holy I don't know if I've said shit, this on the show. <laughs> you love that. It's great. The human Dorch. The name of my fantasy team is past the Dorchy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. real real clever college brain level stuff nice from your boy nice, over here nice nice um all right o-line what about corner are there any corners you know let me say this though they're better at wide receiver than we think they could use a slot actually dorch makes sense like you play Pittman and pierce on the outside and dorch in the slot i think you can get by with that all or, of a sudden, folks all of a sudden if you want to get a little crazy maybe you trade for elijah moore i don't know joe <laughs> There we go. There we go. I think Elijah. I think Elijah Moore gets traded this offseason. So I, I, I don't know where I'm at on that. I think he gets traded this offseason. I think my, it makes that's my sense. Humble opinion. But I also think that the draft lines there. up. Oh, 100. I also think the draft lines up pretty well for them with wide receiver because you're right. They have Alec Pierce. They have Michael Pittman. Those are two guys who could play vertically on the outside towards the sideline. This this wide receiver class. There's not a ton of. For sure, great outside wide receivers, but there are a lot of slot receivers. There are a lot yeah. of guys who can win from the slot. Parker Washington, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, right? I mean, like, yeah. there's a ton of guys that you can draft throughout the rounds. Um, probably, I would say, one through four or five, you could probably get a really nice slot receiver. Corners, James Bradbury's up. Okay, interesting. Marcus Peters, Bradley Roby. Oh, Emmanuel Mosley. So a big veteran. Man, that Mosley injury. That's an I didn't know he was a free agent after this yeah. year. Yeah. Interesting. That one I like. That one I definitely like. Sean Murphy Bunting. Uh, that's a good one. It is. Bryce Callahan. Well, they don't need a... So Mosley tore his ACL. That's what I thought. Yes. Yeah, He'll probably he be on a very close timeline for the season. They got one of the best nickels in the NFL, so they don't really yep. need a nickel corner. Kenny, um, stud. How long is Stephon Gilmore signed for? Two more two years. years. He's got to be, be two. So he's yep. there for another year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, st- they still definitely need another corner. So I, I would definitely look at corner free. Man, if you had Stephon Gilmore on one side thinking he doesn't take a major step back next year, Emmanuel Mosley on the other, and Kenny Moore. Woo! <laughs> Yep. Julian Rab, Julian Blackman at free safety. Let's go, baby. Yep. That's a secondary right healthy. there. That is a secondary right there. Yeah, it's a good group. 
Okay. All right. So that's a free agency plan. That's what I go with. You got any more free agency notes before we move on to the mini mock draft to get out of here? No, I mean, they're not, they're not a team that goes nuts in free agency. I think they'll have to be a little bit more aggressive than usual next year. So I think that's a good outline for them. And, you know, it's, I don't know how they view Ryan Kelly, their center. And I know that line as a whole has just had a really bad year, right? I mean, when you look at so Kelly is on uh, – Kelly's probably there next year. You can cut him and only have $4.5 million dead money, but he's probably there next yeah, year. I was going to say, you, there's center replacements he's gonna, he's in gonna, free agency, but he's going to be there. He's going to be there. Okay. Draft time. Draft time, baby. Best part of the show. All right, so the 2022 picks that the Indianapolis Colts have, they have a first-round pick, they have a second-round pick, and then they have either a second or a third-round pick, depending on whether or not Carson Wentz plays 70% of the snaps with the Washington Commanders. As of right now, he obviously has not hit that mark. He has uh, been sitting because he's been injured. I don't know if he officially can't reach 70% of the snaps. If you were to average it out. But we got to be getting close with how many games that he is missing. So if he doesn't hit 70% of the snaps, it would be a third round pick. But They're if he not does, play him. it would be a second. It'd be kind of yeah. weird for them to do that. They then have Man. a fourth. What? That second rounder would have helped a lot. I would say that's the pick you trade for Elijah Moore. The later one. Oh, bro- Connor. Elijah Moore is not getting a second round pick. You think okay. he gets this? No way. No. Joe Douglas ain't trading him for less. I'll tell you that. Okay. Well, then, then, he took then he's, 30, he took him 34th then, overall a year and a half ago. I hear what you're saying. This is, this is the man. I hear that got you're a saying. sixth rounder for Blake yes. Cashman. <laughs> a fourth for Chris Herndon. Look, all I'm saying is that you know this. When the dirty laundry goes public, the, 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 the market for a guy goes down, man. When people know that there's disgruntled friction in the building, the market goes down. You start getting these teams like, yeah, I'll give you a seventh round pick. And Joe Douglas is like, block my number and never call yeah, me again. Yeah, do not ever call me again. Okay. No, fair enough. Fair enough. I was just throwing out ideas. Hey, trying you know, get, trying right, to make look, the Colts better. Look, I'd love it for the Jets. Someone's trying to make the Colts better. <laughs> All right. They, have, they also have their fourth round picks, fifth round picks, and they got two seventh round picks, I believe. Um, they traded their original third round pick. So if you listen to me, I didn't say a third, a guaranteed third round pick. They traded that original third round pick to Denver last year because they moved up in the third round to go select Nick Cross. They gave them a fifth rounder last in last draft and the third rounder for this, for this year to go do that, which was a pretty penny. Um, and then they're also swapping sixth and seventh round picks with the Buccaneers because the Bucks traded up to go get Grant Stewart. So that's how we have the order. There, as of right now, the way the order is set, Colts at 3-5-1, and one, currently picking 14th overall in the first round. They're currently picking 46th overall in the second round and 80th in the third round if you say that that Wentz selection is going to be a third rounder and not a second yeah. rounder, which it is at the moment. Connor, I have two different draft scenarios for you. Yep. I have the simulator open right now. Oh, you absolute. Yeah. Pain. Uh, do you want to do you want to just hit the simulator and go live? Because I, I I just have two that I just have two different scenarios that I wrote down. How do you want to do it? Yeah, let's let's walk through it. So, okay. well, in the simulator right now, they're picking seventeenth, but we know wow, PFF wrong. That's not going to be the case, right? Probably going to pick a little higher. I'll right. propose it to you like this. Mm-hmm. Your options right now for the Colts are 
Paris Johnson Jr. Okay, that was one of my scenarios. I, I love, yeah, love him. Roderick Jones. Uh, yeah, another good. I'm going to assume Olu's gone. Yeah, we should probably assume that Olu is gone. I, I feel like Olu's like in the top eight conversation right now. I think people are a little hot on him right now, but I also because well, he's the new like no one knew about him over the summer. Right, right, right. I will say that I I've only watched one game of him, and he's super impressive. But like, I got to go watch these other games before I'm just like, hell yeah, top no, no, ten. No, you're pick, right. Baby. So Skronsky gone by seventeen hundred percent. Yeah, he should be. He should be. Well, I was kind of assuming this pick will be a little higher, but yes. Okay, uh, I think Skronsky's on the board for them. We need to have a tough conversation, so we have to make Will Levis available. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are long gone. Will Levis is my other scenario. Yeah, those are my two. I'm not there yet, but I can make the argument why the Colts would do it. I'm just not there yet. Okay, I'm I, okay. Can I can I just read off? All right, I'm just gonna read off my two yeah, scenarios, go ahead. and then and then here I want to hear what you say about it. Scenario one. Okay. Willie Levis. They get Will Levis somewhere, whether it's at 14, whether it's at 11, whether it's at 8, whether it's at 5. They yep. get Will Levis. They get themselves no trade. a quarterback. No, not trading to go up for him. No, uh, no, probably not. And I just, I wouldn't want that in this scenario because we're trying to do a That's what I'm saying. Anyways. So they're getting Will Levis somewhere. I don't think the Indianapolis Colts are going to be able to lose enough games to get close enough for CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. We talked about it on yesterday's episode. That tie that they have this year is going to royally F them over Freaking when it tie. comes to getting higher in the order for the NFL draft. So scenario one is it pick 14 or wherever in the first round, I have them taking Will Levis. Then in the second round, I have them taking Andrew Voorhees, the interior offensive lineman from USC, who can be a plug and play guy right away at the other guard spot. Um, since they're losing, since they're losing, uh, what is it's, it's prior, right? It's Matt Pryor. I think mm-hmm. it's the other guard there, the right guard. Yep tackle yeah they're they're using they're they're losing matt prior to uh to free agency so you're probably not oh, prior is playing back. guard my bad yeah my yeah, bad. He play, yeah yeah he plays guard so you plug in for he's in right there so you get a quarterback starter you get an offensive line starter and then the third round pick i have them getting a outside corner in devon witherspoon my mm. guy from illinois the second scenario i have paris johnson jr because yep. i think that's pretty realistic i wanted to give please, him an offensive lineman please say it for the second round of course I'm going to say it. Go ahead. Of course I'm going to say Anthony Richardson. Oh, man, it's fun. <laughs> it's is, that, that who, is that who you thought I was going to say? I wanted you to say one of him or Hendon Hooker. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I, basically, I was just like, all right, this is the... Fair. I had a few cocktails. Now I'm drafting. Which, is how, which is how we do a podcast. Yours, the other one was like, I'm putting mayo in my very, very milked out coffee. And which, I'm barely caffeinated. I'm just drinking this, which we like would never. Psycho. Yeah. So I've which got Paris. Would. I've got Paris Johnson Jr., who I like as a option for the Colts because I really like Bernard Ryman, but I do think that he is more of an offensive tackle than he is an offensive guard. I think that Paris Campbell is also a really good offensive tackle. However, you can draft Paris Cam Paris Johnson Jr. Sorry, yep. I'm getting them confused here. Both Ohio State, State Paris, guys Paris. Ohio State. Incredible. <laughs> you can play Paris Johnson Jr. at guard. He, he wasn't as comfortable doing it as he has been at tackle, but he, can do but he it. has that experience. And I think that if he is there, you could play him a guard. I think he could be a really good guard in the NFL to truly help the Colts get the best five out there. Obviously, Anthony Richardson at quarterback or Hendon Hooker at quarterback. Those are guys who, if you're starting him right away, probably going to be tough. But um, 
Richardson, massive ceiling dude. So I think you maybe take a swing on him. You see if it, you see what can happen with him. You probably are going to want a veteran though to start him a little bit before Richardson plays. I think I would. I would if Richardson comes out in this draft. I would really like him to sit his entire first year in the NFL. I don't yeah, think that's yeah. That, just, I don't. I don't yeah. know if that happens because the league's very impatient. But I would like for him to sit for an entire season. Final guy, third round. I have them picking up a wide receiver. Um, I had them going with uh, with Parker Washington in the third round. I. I I actually don't think that Parker Washington lasts until the third round. So now that I'm thinking of it, let's give him another slot guy. Oh, can you give him Josh Downs? Let's go Josh Downs. I think Josh Downs will be a third round guy. So I'll go down like that. We know they need a slot. Downs is really good. He can play yeah. specials. Paris Johnson Jr., Anthony Richardson, Josh Downs. That's my uh, that's my second scenario. I like it. And in that scenario, I think I'd sign like a Jacoby Brissett type quarterback. Oh, you bring him back? You bring him back? Yeah, someone like that. Hometown hero? You're not gonna you're not gonna go pay like Daniel Jones and draft Anthony Richardson. Why not? Competition breeds the best results. Because Daniel Jones is getting a hell of a lot more money than you think. Yeah, apparently, yesterday. <laughs> apparently, apparently, it's gonna be out, it's gonna be outrageous. Or the Brinks truck for Geno Smith. But who am I to say such a thing? Um, man, I God, that's tough. Anthony Richardson and Levis are so far away right now, but they have so much talent. Yeah. I think no matter what, if you're Indianapolis, you do just have to swing at a guy that has the potential to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I I just knowing how Ballard scouts, I don't, I think he would prefer those two to a guy like hooker who has more polish, but less traits. I don't think Chris Ballard's going to draft a 25 year old quarterback with, I like Hendon Hooker a lot. I really I just don't do. think he's going to do it. I think he, it's. you could also say Hendon Hooker has limited upside when you're talking about those other two physical freaks. Yeah. I just don't think I, I, By the way, I very strongly go with scenario two. Ooh, okay. So Paris Johnson Jr., Anthony Richardson, and uh, Josh Downs. Yeah, and I think it's a couple things. One, I don't know how differently I evaluate Levis and Richardson right now, but... I drastically evaluate the offensive lineman differently. Paris I, Johnson and Andrew Boris. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I'd rather hit on a round one O line, feel good about hitting on it. And take like, the Tracy guy at quarterback. And then you give Josh Downs as the third rounder. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I like Voorhees. He's fine. I think he's good. I think he's fine. I I like the second draft a lot better. All Although right, I love fun. the corner. I love Witherspoon. He's freaking awesome. Witherspoon Island. I don't know. Dude. I don't know if he lasts till the third round either. I don't know Maybe either, was... but it's fun as hell. We're right, rolling with it. Right, right. I'm always going to push the envelope on these fix your franchise when we do these mini mock drafts because I want the people to get excited. It's got to get the people I... going. That's what it's got to do. My gut tells me Levis is going to be a cult. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and, and just kill it. The process of it. Makes I think sense. that would be a great pick for Indianapolis. Yeah, if you get the right guy I in think place Levis to would play, be a great pick out of the gate, right? Yeah. Like Jacoby Brissett. That's what I think. Well, dude, Levis going to start sooner rather than later. Sure, Rich, but at least Brissett can play if he needs to. Yeah, I don't know what they would do at quarterback if they drafted Levis. Ursay might be wild enough to just be like, start him, do it, make it happen. Yeah. Well, and also, when you're, yeah, ooh, man, Harbaugh, Levis. Ooh. Dude, the thumbnail for this show could be fucking sweet. 
Colt Streetville. Colt Streetville. And it's just like, it's Sean Payton in a visor swap. It's Harbaugh in a polo swap. It's Will Levis in a jersey swap. Oh, man. It's Do good. it, Ryan. Do it's it. It's the, the good stuff. The people need it. Appreciate and, uh, you guys. Who is the Elton Jenkins? Is yeah. on the Colts. Yeah. Like whatever outrageous free agent. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 absolutely Leaf. how we need to do Oh, things. this is getting ten thousand views by Friday. Oh, yeah, we're gonna be so you thought our mojo hits or uh what's it? Symbol symbol stock hits were big. Wait till this episode. Oh man, is that I great... think that in all seriousness, that I think great... that was a good rounded good rounded Colts build. That's uh, look, I, I agree with you. Look, you said symbol. I don't even think you realized it, but that's a great segue into me talking about our friends over at symbol. You guys have heard me talk about him before. You heard Connor bring him up right there. Symbol has their best offer yet for new users. They're offering $500 risk-free deposit for new users who join the stock market for sports. When you spot, when you sign up using the promo code NFLSE, you will get your first deposit with a 30 back money, 30 day money back guarantee. I need to read. If you were hesitant on joining or simply haven't joined yet, you can now do so with a risk-free deposit. As a reminder, Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol is a peer-to-peer market that took the thrill of the sports betting and turned it into the stock market to give fans a new way to speculate on pro and college teams. Now you can join with a $500 money-back guarantee. Download Symbol on the iOS store using or searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store and using the promo code NFLSE to get your risk-free deposit up to $500. Whether you want to invest in an up-and-coming team like the New York Jets or top dog in the league right now, Philadelphia Eagles, Symbol allows you to buy and sell teams like stocks and profit from your sports knowledge. So check them out over at Symbol in the App Store. Dude, that was fun. I, I love these episodes. It's always a good time. We would love to hear from you guys as well, whether it was something about Frank Reich or Chris Bauer, Jim Mersey, something about Jeff Saturday, how we went through free agency, what we did in the draft. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Tell us your candidates. Tell us your players that you want to watch out for, the Colts situation. This is so much fun for us to really take a deep dive into a team, and we want to hear from you guys as well as we prepare for the offseason for both free agency and, of course, the NFL draft as well. So, Connor, enjoyed another one, my friend. It was awesome. Um, hopefully Colts fans would love to hear your feedback, your suggestions, yeah. what you like, what you don't like, and what you're hoping for, man. It's it's that time of year where you're just hoping for certain things to happen and, and get right and um and enter draft season, baby. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the effing show. Well, that's it for us this week, everybody. Hopefully you guys have a great weekend coming up, watching some pro and college football, as you know. Connor and I are going to be back with you first thing bright and early Monday morning to talk about it all. This is the NFL Stock Exchange for Trevor Sigma. That is Connor Rogers. See you guys next time. 